0: Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. So Father, we just thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, as we, we peel back. Unmask one more time, Lord, that you would help us, God. I pray that we wouldn't have the attitude of this isn't for me. Lord, we'd have, the, we'd have the responsibility of looking at our own lives and looking at areas where we can walk and dare to be free. So I pray that you'd speak through my words today. For those who are struggling, Lord, I pray you'd bring strength to those who feel like giving up I pray that your peace would just invade their hearts and their minds at this time. Speak freedom over our church, freedom over our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, you can grab your seats. Would you thank the worship team on your way down to your seat? Give them a big clap of gratitude. Series verse 2, Corinthians 3.18. We who have unveiled unmasked faces all reflect the Lord's glory and we are being transformed into his likeness. This series is to help us transformed. Our goal in this life is to become more like Jesus. Week one, we looked at fear. Week two, rejection. The last two weeks, we've looked at the terrible twins of guilt and shame. Of all the masks that we deal with, there's 10 masks in the book, this week and next week are the two biggies for me, okay? These are the two, one, the two that I've struggled with and do struggle with the most. Um, some of you m- m- may feel that you don't see much of yourself in this week or next week. Um, for others, it might be like, he is reading my mail today. And remember, though, this, se- this series uh, is not just about us, it's about others, which means often God wants to give us tools to help other people in our workplace. So when you see people struggling with fear, maybe you're not struggling with fear, but you then have the tools to help them, or anxiety, or fear, or rejection, or some of the masks that we've dealt with. Um, so, are you ready to go? Yes. We're halfway after today. Now, it could be a holiday, it could be a restaurant experience, it could be a 10 30 a.m. service, it could be a box set on Netflix, but my expectation always remains the same. This better be good, this better be perfect. My very nature and my personality, I am probably what is known as a perfectionist. I want to experience life without any hiccups and without any hang-ups. Is there anyone else who says, yes, that's me? Okay, so who are the people, when you go into a restaurant, if your meal is not exactly like it looks like on the menu, you want to speak to a supervisor? Yeah. Who are the people, who could, they could serve you a cold roast dinner, the potatoes are frozen in the meal, and you're like, no, just keep, keep quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind paying for this, I just don't want any, who, who are those people? You're like, it's just, okay, so we're, we're all different, we're all different. So if you're a perfectionist like me, your favorite phrases are probably like, I should, I must, I ought to, I have to, or I probably need to do more. Now if you're a normal person, you might have three things on your daily to-do list. You get one done, one unfinished, and the next one you completely forget about, and you go to bed and think, that was a good day. Or if you're a little bit like me, you have 29 things on your to-do list, you get 28 done, you miss one, and you feel like a complete failure. Honesty moment. Challenge with this mindset is very rarely are my expectations met, and often the expectations that I put on myself, guess where they end up, onto others. This leads to high levels of frustration in me, in others, and what I'm gonna call destination disease. One day, things will be better. Next time, we will experience the perfect meal, the perfect holiday. Christmas often highlights perfection in our lives. We build Christmas up to something which it rarely ever lives up to. The family will all be home, the snow will be falling, the fire burning, and Christmas lunch will look like something off the front cover of a Delia Smith book. And then the 25th arrives, it never snows, the family is squabbling, and the roast potatoes just aren't crispy enough. What about the perfect holiday? Who knows that the brochure and the arrival often look very different? Have you ever noticed on the brochure there's never any people? I think they must have like a, bro- a brochure shoot day and they're like, no one can come to the hotel. We'll just take pictures of this hotel with no one there. And then you arrive and it's like fighting people for the sunbeds, different nationalities. 2012 we went to Mauritius. We were living in Cape Town and we'd worked hard for a year, we'd saved up, but it was just a 4-hour flight across the Indian Ocean to uh, to Mauritius. We stayed at the Sugar Beach Hotel. She's saying take me back. It's a long way away. Is it an amber or red? Don't you think the amber thing's quite funny? I think the amber thing's really funny. It's like giving your kids a box of chocolates and saying here they are, but we prefer you didn't eat them. Anyway, just my little thing. So we went to Mauritius, and it was lovely. We checked in about midnight because we got into a late flight, and we went and we fell asleep. And about two hours into the sleep, all I hear is my wife, Wake up! Wake up! I'm thinking, she's just disoriented. We're in a different time zone, different, different, uh, whatever. She said, there's something under the bed. I was like, no, there isn't. Go back to sleep. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, we are in a tropical climate. There could be something under the bed. Five minutes later, all I hear under the bed is this scratching. So I put the light on. And as I put the light on, a foot-long rat runs. Now, my daughter is staying on a, like a bed, just a mattress on the floor and the rat runs straight over. And then by this time, my wife is in... She's a different wife. She's not the wife that I remembered on the plane. So I calmly called reception and explained the situation. I said, we have a rat in the room. He seemed very sort of calm. It's obviously not the first time. Anyway, this old boy arrives with a broom. By the way, this is our... Perfect holiday. He arrives with a broom. He says, Where is it? I says, Behind the fridge. This lovely Mauritian man. And, and she pulls the fridge, and there he was. And he just, he gets his broom. Sorry if you're a rat lover. He just lifts it like a sledgehammer an and whacks it, explodes. Okay, on our white tiled floor at the Sugar Beach Hotel. But this time, my wife's in bits. She wants to get back on a plane. She wants her money back. And he says, I'm really sorry. He says, we don't have any spare rooms till tomorrow. Anyway, I've told you that story because life doesn't always go the way we think. The perfect marriage. Some of you thought you were marrying the perfect person until you got back from honeymoon. Maybe you think Chantal and I have the perfect marriage. You are all welcome to come and stay with us for a week. I mean, this week, you know, Chantal very rarely, very rarely gets upset with me. But this week, I could sense she was a little bit agitated. She was restless, and her voice was at a slightly higher pitch than normal in the family home. And I could hear her all upset upstairs and calling my name. And I thought, what could happen? Maybe. Maybe justice has disappeared, because that happens occasionally. Or maybe the rat's back. I don't know if it's a... I I said, is everything all right? And she said, no. She said, you've used my towel. I'd used her towel. I couldn't find mine, and I'd used her. And there it was. Off it went. (laughs) You see, because perfection magnifies our mistakes. What about the perfect project? If you're at work or university or school and you've got projects and we strive for perfection. This was going to be the perfect book without a mistake. And I had to go on a journey with this because I realised it will never be perfect. By the way, God never wants perfect, he wants our best. I thought I'd done well until someone pointed out that Nicky Gumbel, by the way, the Nicky Gumbel, not Radio 5... The Nicky Gumble from the Alpha Course, HTP Reverend Nicky Gumble, Bishop to be Nicky Gumble. We spelt his name wrong. <laughs> Hi Nicky, how are you? Having a nice day? Yeah. By the way, I've sold a few of these, and your name spelt wrong. You see perfection has a way of taking over our lives. The perfect post on social media. No no one has ever put a bad hair day on social media. A big zit. Screaming kids, dirty laundry. When was the last time we Instagrammed empty rows of chairs in church? Or people standing there with their hands in pockets in worship? No, what do we do in social media? We post our best. We show the world our best, even though it's never a true reflection of our reality. Why? Because, write this down, first takeaway, perfection is always fueled by comparison. Always fueled. It doesn't matter whether it's the way we look, what we post, what we write. We're always trying to compare ourselves to someone else. perfect service. There's many times I've come home from church, I write about it in the book, and what 99.9% of people would describe as a, an unforgettable time in God's house, yet I can't seem to forget the one moment which didn't live up to the high standards I've set for myself. Frustrations can bubble over and cause us to forget all the incredible times that we've experienced in His presence, and even the moments where people made their peace with God. The challenge is that this translates to our walk with God. Because then we try to be the perfect Christian. We dress, we act, we look, we speak to try and live up to what we think God is requiring from us. It's called religion. Religion, if you want to write this down, Religion is rooted in the lie that we have to earn our salvation and earn God's love. Religion is always about what you've got to do, how you dress, how you speak, how you act to get closer to God. And perfectionism will reap havoc in our lives if we don't address it. Why? There's two main reasons. Don't worry, we're going to get into the Word, because some of you are like, is this a Word church or is this a bit of a motivational church? We're going to get into the Word. I'm just setting some context. Two main reasons why we, we've got to address perfectionism. Number one is this. It damages relationships. Nobody likes being nagged or corrected all the time. It becomes frustrating and irritating. Proverbs 17.9 says this. Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Damages relationships. If you've got, if you've got perfectionistic tendencies, they will always damage relationships. I've learned this the hard way. Number two is it destroys happiness. Ecclesiastes 7.16 says, Don't be too virtuous and don't be too wise. Do you realize you can be too wise? Why make yourself miserable? Scripture is talking there about perfectionism. Trying to live perfect. God wants to break us out of this prison of perfection so we can find this joy and freedom in our lives. And there is only one antidote to perfectionism. There's only one antidote. It's not out of a self-help book. It's not in a doctor's office. It is not in a longer to-do list. There is only one antidote. Are you ready? Simply this, it is the grace of God. It is the grace of God. The Bible is a story from beginning to end about humanity's best efforts. But they were never good enough. So it took a perfect person in the form of Jesus to come down out of heaven and do what we cannot do. We can't and we shouldn't try to earn God's love. If we try and act a certain way or be acknowledged by people... We're going to keep failing and falling. So how do we remove the mask? Well, as a person who is prone to perfectionism, I'm going to call these my go-to grace verses. My go-to. Who's got a go-to verse? So when I feel like I'm trying to perform, trying to be perfect in what I do, these are my go-to verses. From the gospel, these are Jesus' words, chapter 11, verse 28. And it's an invitation to all of us who are worn out by religion. Worn out by a perfection perfectionistic nature. You're worn out by performance based living. These are your verses. I love this. It says, Jesus says, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay any, anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. One of Chantal and I's favorite pictures, and we're actually going to get this painted, is this picture of Jesus' hand. And it's just simply a picture, an invitation that reminds us of this passage from Christ, where he's inviting us to come. It's a portrait of God's grace, his rest, his security, and his invitation. And in these three verses alone, we find the cure for our perfection tendencies. They can release us from a performance-based mindset and lifestyle. And in these three verses, there are four invitations. I'm going to share four invitations with you today that I think are going to help you move. Take our eyes off ourselves and how we're measuring up and fix our eyes on Jesus, the perfect one. Number one, the invitation is this. It says, come to me. Three words, get away with me and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest. The first invitation is, sit with me. Sit with me. Perfection always says this, keep going. You've ever heard anyone say, just keep going. Hang on in there. Keep going. Battle on. But Jesus says, no. He says, sit with me. Last week, I got to watch the 7 in 7 documentary again from a couple of years ago and it brought back a lot of memories for Lewis and I. But I remember one of the things it brought back was our trainer, Neil. He kept saying to me, he said, John, rest is as important as running. Rest is as important than running. I'm a goer, I'm a doer, and uh, so when I would run, I'd wanna get on with it. He says, no, you've gotta go to, after you do your Saturday five-hour jog, you've gotta go to bed for the rest of the day. You've gotta rest. Recovery is as important as running. And right now, If you're struggling with doing more, trying to be perfect, trying to measure up, the message from Jesus today is, come to me. If you're tired, you're worn out from life, religion. If you're worn out from a lifestyle of go, 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 do, do, do. Jesus is is inviting us into a new way of living today, which is, come to me. Get away, he says with me, and I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You see, we think going to Mauritius would fix us all right now. If I could put us all on a plane and go to the Seychelles, we'd all feel good for a week or two, but then we'd soon get back into the same rhythm of life. And eventually we'd get worn down again. But Jesus isn't saying you need a holiday. He's saying you need a new rhythm in your life. It starts with coming to me, sitting with me. Jesus wants us to stop And sit. Stop and sit. One of the reasons a lot of people, especially a lot of Christians, struggle to rest and sit is because they're never really assured that their sins are forgiven. So what we try and do is we we create a performance-based faith, Christianity, where we feel we have to do more to earn more of God's love. We have to serve more, we have to give more. And the more we give and the more we serve and the more we do, God's going to love us even more. And he's got to say, "No, that's performance-based religion." Now, under the old covenant, The priest once a year would go into this place called the Holies of Holies. And in the tabernacle of Moses, in this sacred holy place, there were certain instruments and pieces of furniture in this big tent. It was like an old church, but this is where God's presence would dwell. In there would be an altar. There would be a large basin for washing. There would be curtains. There would be a table. There would be an ark. There would be a lampstand. There was all these various instruments in there. And the priest would offer sacrifices. It was pretty, pretty gory, but like goats and lambs. And they, their blood would be shed and offered to God as a sacrifice. And if the sacrifice wasn't enough, the Bible says the priest sometimes would drop down dead. They have to pull them out on a rope. But it's interesting that you cannot find a seat in the tabernacle. This was because the work of the priest was never finished. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 11, it says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again, performance. And again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. Here's the good news. Verse 12, but when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice, which was the cross of Calvary. This is what he says. He says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. In the old covenant, it was about working and doing and performing and sacrificing. But when Jesus came, the spotless lamb, the high priest, he came. He removed religion. He removed the old covenant. And he said, now we get to sit. Sit. You see, religion will constantly tell you to perform harder, work harder. But Jesus says it is a finished work. Look at this. He says, for one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who have been made holy. Only Jesus' work is a finished work. In God's eyes, you are spotless. In God's eyes, you are perfect. You are whiter than snow because of his perfect son, Jesus. It's permanent. You say, well, what's left for me to do if Jesus did it all? Believe. Right living begins with right believing. You've got to believe that you're forgiven to walk in forgiveness. This is how you reign in life over sin. This is how you reign in life over addiction. This is how you break things in your life from the past. Simply by whatever the enemy throws at you, you remember, I can sit. I can sit in the fact that I've messed up, but God's love towards me is never ending. It doesn't start with walking or working. It starts with sitting. Jesus is sat right now. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. He's not just sitting. He's got his feet up. Wow. Ephesians 2.6 And raised up together made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now you say, well, that sounds great for the priest four or five thousand years ago. How does that work for me tomorrow morning? Good question. Your day does not begin by doing, but by sitting. This is how we start our Monday, and our Thursday, and our Friday. We start with sitting. Not thinking about all of our imperfections, but by meditating on his perfection. So we sit. The invitation is come to me. And we offload all of our imperfections, our cares, our worries. We offload our load onto the Lord as we sit. Mary and Martha were sisters, very different types of sisters. And Jesus comes over to the house for a takeaway. Luke chapter 10, I added that bit. Very different, one was a doer, one was a kind of very relaxed. Martha was the workhorse. Says Martha hurries to ensure the preparations, Mary, what the Bible says, Mary simply sits at the feet of Jesus and listens to his wisdom. Martha says, Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus replies, Martha, Martha, you know if Jesus says your name twice, you need to listen. You are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. There's only one thing better than doing, sitting. Some of you got so good at going, go, 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 trying to perfect, perfect, perfect. And Jesus is saying the first step is sitting. Life has the potential to get complicated when we walk before we sit. I've made my worst mistakes as a leader when I've walked before I've sat. You say, well, God didn't start with sitting. He got to work on the first day. In the beginning, God created. Someone said that to me recently. Oh, that's a good comeback. But that's God. He's God. And by the way, he didn't need day seven to rest. He did that because he wanted to lay a blueprint for humanity to say that We need a day off. So we can't use God as our excuse. And if you think about Adam and Eve, it was day six that God created Adam, which means his first day in the office, Adam sat. Adam didn't get to work straight away. Adam sat in creation. He sat in God's presence. And this is how We first remove the mask. The secret to unmask perfection is not in doing more, but in sitting with Jesus. Is this helping? Number one, sit with me. Number two, walk with me. Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. We, we sit, and by the way, this, this message, you can't, if you just, if you cut the tape now, you're gonna think he never needs to go to work again. All you just need to do is just kick back, sit in God's presence all day, and he'll provide for you, and he'll bless you, and your wife's just gonna love you for sitting in your armchair all day. No, 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 no. Interestingly, he says, walk with me and work with me. God's design is, if we can, we work. Okay, so this isn't a kind of, oh, you know, we're all just going to enjoy a lifelong furlough. Jesus is not out of touch. He realizes we've got to get up and go to work. Walk with me and work with me. I love that. Psalm 23 brings a lot of comfort. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's the first thing he does? He makes me lie down. By the way, if you don't lie down, he will make you eventually. It's up to you. You can either do it yourself or he will do it. But one way or another, he'll get you sat down. I learned the hard way. He restores my soul, he leads me in the path that for his name's sake. Verse 4 Yea, though I walk. This principle it's been in the scriptures. You sit and then you walk. We lay down, we rest, we sit in green pastures before we walk through the valleys of life. Walk with me, work with me. Notice Jesus doesn't say, walk. He says, walk with me. He wants to be part of your day. You know when you're trying to get it right and perfect everything, he wants to be in the detail. If COVID has taught us anything... We need to slow down. We miss so much trying to perfect our lives that we run and we miss it. Back in the good old days when we used to travel, one of Chantal and I's favorite things is to go to a big city, whether it's London or New York, a big metropolis, and spend the day with no plans, just walk. And you just walk, and you just keep walking. I remember a few years ago, we went to San Francisco. Has anyone ever been to San Francisco? you just walk, don't you? and Up and down and to the bridge and through the museums and the, into the harbor, and it's just, it's just fantastic. But I've, I've driven big cities and I've walked big cities. Here's what I've realized. You get so much more when you walk. Here's what I've realized even more. You get so much more when you walk with a tour guide. Because they point out all the little things that you miss. And Jesus wants to be your tour guide in this big thing called life and as you go through your metropolis this week Jesus is saying don't walk alone let me be your tour guide I want to point out little things that you might miss I want to stop you going down some wrong alleys I want to stop you getting in some relationships that have the potential to harm you and hurt you so don't just walk on your own sit with me and then walk with me and I reckon we can do a lot better this week if we do this trip together I don't want to be in front of you I just want to walk with you So often I miss the goodness in today because I am running for the perfection in tomorrow. And if you struggle with perfection like me, you'll be cramming and running and striving to the next meeting, trying to cram as much in your day as possible. And God is saying, why don't we just walk? Hard to find a scripture of anywhere where Jesus ran. Jesus walked. God cares about every moment in our day. This is what happens when we walk. We replace perfection with progress. Suddenly we just progress in life rather than trying to be perfect. If you're still here, by the way, that's progress. You're here. That's progress. Jesus says, he says, come. Number one, I want you to sit with me. Number two, walk with me. Number three, stay with me. Stay with me. Keep company with me, he says, and you'll learn to live free and lightly. 2018, Chantal and I got an invitation. We actually, we were in South Africa. and We got an invitation from 10 Downing Street. I actually thought it was a joke and deleted it. I thought someone's winding me up. I just literally put a straight in my hand. I said, I'm going to go to 10 Downing Street. Who wants to meet me? And um, I just deleted it. And then we got the second one asking why we hadn't RSVP'd. <laughs> I was like, well, that is a real one. And we got an invitation to come to 10 Downing Street to meet Prime Minister Theresa May, and uh, it was it was very surreal. We 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 went in. I I, I I bought a suit. I bought a suit. I do own a necktie, and uh, put a shirt on. And my wife looks stunning as yours does. And we I don't know what else we did. What else did we do? Spray tan? Something. We did something just to make ourselves feel good. And we we headed into Downing Street, past all the security. And we met the cat. We met the cat. What's the cat called? Steve. We met Steve the cat. Um, Lovely little fella. And we walked up the stairwell. We saw the Prime Ministers, all my favourites, all the way up. And we met at this moment where we got to talk to Prime Minister Theresa May and tell her about the work of Soul Church. And... What was really interesting is that, first of all, I was on my absolute best behavior. I was constantly, my wife's elbow was like on my ribs constantly. But I was like on edge. I was walking on edge. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I wanted to look the right way. I wanted to, because it was very unfamiliar territory. But spending time with Jesus isn't a one-off. You see, when you spend time with someone, and it's a one-off. You feel like you've got to impress them. You've got to dress, look, feel, speak a certain way. And if you kind of, you're just worried that you're going to, and I just kind of missed the moment because I was so worried I was going to get it wrong. But when you get to know someone, you don't have to perform. And you don't have to dress up. That's why in this church, you can wear what you want. We make sure you wear something but if you feel comfortable wearing a suit, if that's, your, if that's your thing, you wear a suit. If you feel comfortable wearing shorts and t-shirt for church, just come. Like, just come as you are. Because God's not impressed with anything that we wear. He's not impressed with any of that. All he, all he wants is our hearts. But spending time with Jesus isn't like meeting someone famous. Because you don't have to dress up. You don't have to put your makeup on. You don't have to look perfect, speak perfect you don't have to worry you're going to say the wrong thing all Jesus is saying is you can just stay with me Christ's Christ's invitation isn't a one off I don't know what happened but I never got invited back to 10 Downing Street maybe I did say something, maybe upset the cat I don't know what happened but Christ's invitation is not a once off Jesus loves your company He loves your company. He loves being close to you. He's not impressed with our perfection. He's not impressed with how much we do. He's not impressed with our degree. He's not impressed with our qualifications. None of that impresses him. The only thing that impresses God is our willingness just to be us. And I love what it says. It says, when you stay with me, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Do you know who my favorite types of people are? People I can be free and light around. People I can be completely myself and they still love me. Who knows that you have WhatsApp groups if you're on WhatsApp, and some WhatsApp groups are like formal. You've got to be careful you say the wrong thing. Has anyone accidentally ever put something in the wrong group? You're like, oh my word. That was not for that group. Because some groups can't handle you being you they can't handle your humor they can't handle your jokes they can't handle the real you so most of us just have the ideal whatsapp groups and then the real whatsapp groups and jesus is saying hey if you were to invite me into your whatsapp i want to be in the real one the one where you're just you because you can be free and light around me how cool is that That you can go through your day, you can sit with him, you can walk with him, and you can stay with him. He's not going to get put off because you messed up this week. He's not going to get put off because you let him down. He's not going to get put off because you made a mistake. He says, stay with me. Jesus' company is so free, it's so light. Sit with me, walk with me, stay with me. Finally, learn from me. Learn from me. says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. you got people who love to drop stuff on you. Do you know the thing I love about a friendship with Jesus is he never drops problems on me. Some people just love to go, but Jesus is saying, no, this is a different stay stay of friendship. You can just come to me you can lay your problems on me. I'm just going to give you my grace. Learn from me. Now there's a shift in this moment in the, in the passage because up until this point, it's all it's been about us, our response to Christ. Then Jesus says here, learn. He said, now I want you to watch me. I want you to watch how I work with others. So... At the start of this passage, it's all about how to deal with our imperfections. And then he's saying, now I want to switch gears a little bit. Because I want to show you how you deal with others' imperfections. Because it's one thing dealing with your own junk. It's another when you've got people around you who are acting perfect and pushing their issues onto you. And The Bible is full of encounters where Jesus meets someone in a state of imperfection. Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, the thief on the cross. The Bible is packed full of stories. But Jesus didn't expose people's weaknesses. He covered them with his strength. The more I read about Jesus, the more I understand how he led. The more I watch how he acted around imperfect people, the more I want to be like him. See, Jesus encourages us not to be too harsh, not to push our standards, our perfections onto others. See, perfectionism can be a stumbling block. It can be an enemy of our spiritual growth. I want to just say this, that imperfection has never stopped God loving anyone in this room your imperfections we're all imperfect we're all flawed you don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus but you have to be willing you have to be willing to go God I just want to be free I want to give you an invitation today to follow Jesus imperfectly I mean how freeing is that that someone would still want me to follow them even though I'm imperfect today is an invitation to imperfect people like me to come to Jesus we can sit with him we can walk with him we can stay with him and we can learn from him the invitation is today first of all is to come and rest some of you you worked out. Some of you you work for the NHS. You haven't stopped in this season. Some of you you've you've got your own business, and this has been such a tough season. You've not been able to take a break. You've been go, 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 do, do, do. And all you've been doing is walking, 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 running, running, running. And the message today is to come and rest, to come and sit. For others the message could be it's time to walk again. The rest, you've been resting, resting, resting. It's time to go again. It's time to get your confidence back to walk. For others, it's to stay with him throughout the day. To lean on him, to talk to him. And then to learn from him. When others around us let us down and make mistakes, fall sure. we learn the rhythm of God's grace towards others. When we learn to relax in God's grace and break free of this prison of perfectionism, what happens is we break into a newfound freedom in our life. The enemy wants people bound. Bound in mental health issues, bound in stress, bound in depression, bound in in fear. And this is why I wrote this book. This book was written with you in mind. Whether you're watching online, whether you're watching in the room, this book was written with you in mind because it's God's grace that brings freedom into people's lives. Religion. Point out your faults, point out your failures, tell you what you should have done, what you could have done. But God's grace comes and He says, I'm going to forgive you. I love you anyway. I'm going to give you a second chance. You can break free today from the past. Today is a new beginning in Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? Amen. I want to pray for a group of people. Then Colin's going to come up and pray for one more group of people. but today is an invitation for imperfect people to come to sit, to walk to stay and to learn if you're saying one or two or three of those four points that that spoke to me maybe you haven't sat with Jesus for a while maybe tomorrow morning before you head off to work you just need to put the kettle on and open your Bible and begin to pray again maybe for some of you you need to remember that God stays with you throughout the day God, and you haven't got to impress him for others of you to help you deal with imperfect people around you maybe like me you feel you get frustrated when people don't do things the way you want them to be done and God's saying no you just watch how I watch how I work watch how I love those who don't measure up to our standards so if you're saying today for, for one, two, three, or four, all of them that today I want to deal with this mask of perfectionism through God's grace, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. The invitation right now, these grace verses, is to come. I'm going to read them out over you. I'm going to read these out. I'm speak God's word into your family, into your work. Jesus says, Jesus says, And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Father, we come to you right now. We thank you in this season, Father God, that we can just slow down and sit with you. We're sorry for doing life at our own pace, on our own race, but we invite you onto our journey. Lord, I pray that you'd show us things as we walk together and we talk together. I pray, Lord, that you would stay with us this week. In our hard times, in the good times, you would stay with us, Father. I pray that we wouldn't forget that you're with us. And Lord, give us grace for others. I pray that we would learn from how you loved others this week. And when people don't measure up or perform or do things that we want, Lord, we would show them unlimited, unconditional love and grace and acceptance, just as you've shown us. In Jesus' name, I pray that we would break out of this prison of perfectionism. I speak freedom over your church. In Jesus' name, amen,
1: amen. There's a a second decision today that Jesus would love for those of you amongst us that have not yet walked with him. Maybe you haven't even talked with him. Maybe you don't know this Jesus that Pastor John has been talking about. Maybe fear has gripped you and you've listened too long to the world and, and you don't understand enough and you don't feel perfect enough. And, but Jesus is knocking at your heart's door today because he doesn't want you to be perfect. He'll take all of your mess, all of your fear, all of your guilt, all of your shame, and he'll put it at the foot of the cross, and you'll be free and light. That's what he wants for you. He wants that freedom in your life. He wants that relationship with you. As Pastor John said, it's not religion. This is relationship. This is talking with him. This is doing life together every day. When you wake up and you sit down with him and you say to him, thank you for this new day. What do you want me to do today, Jesus? It's been an extraordinary adventure for me. I asked Jesus into my life when I was 12. Never, ever would I look back. And he's there in the tough times and life doesn't necessarily always go to plan. But he's there for you. And you can depend on him at every part of that journey of your life. And all he's saying today is he wants to live in your heart. It's a lovely invitation because it's not forced. He just gently knocks upon your heart's door. He doesn't try and push the door down. That would be a a God of automata, somebody who wanted all of us just to be obedient. But he's just gently knocking upon your heart's door. Maybe there's people online that for the first time want to respond to Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, you'll know because your heart might be beating a little bit faster. That's just the Holy Spirit just encouraging you to be courageous right now and take that step and invite Jesus into your life. It'll be the best day of your life. Many people will gather around you and help you with that walk. But most importantly, you'll have Jesus to embrace life with, to go on that journey together with. So right now, Lord, you are speaking to people within this room. You're speaking to people online. You're knocking on their heart's door. You want nothing more than relationship with them. And so, as I count to three, if that's you, with the courage in your heart, put up your hand boldly today, and we will pray corporately together and encourage you together. One, God loves you this morning, brother and sister. Two, he hears your hearts cry and he wants to do life. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up right now, boldly. Come on, let me see it high now. Thank you so much, you there on the front row. So good, thank you, thank you. Hands going up. Thank you. So, so good. Anyone else? We don't want to rush this moment. Is there anyone else? I sense there's one more. Anyone else who's saying thank you? One more. Anyone else? On this day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is moving, Okay, so let's repeat this prayer after me. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear my cry today to walk with you, to talk with you, to sit down with you. Today is a day of salvation and I invite you into my heart. I repent of all of my shame and my sin. And I ask today for your forgiveness. And today, I say, thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. In mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen and amen. So, so good. I said it in the 830 that there would be salvation in the house, people putting their hands up in all services, and so amazing so amazing well we we've got these incredible books it's the bible but it's got some beautiful pictures in as well to help you along with your journey they'll be available to you if you put your hand up or maybe one of our team saw you and they'll hand one of these out please take one this is your manual for life this is when you can look and find out just everything that Jesus has got in store for you it's your encouragement encouragement In the morning. It's your encouragement in the evening. The Bible says to meditate on it day and night. And when you do, you'll find that this is your life manual and it will build you and strengthen you and encourage you. So please pick that up.